Welcome to this episode of Let's Chat. I'm your host, Chris Revel, coming from the Cat Cave in Providence, Rhode Island. And today's episode is uh, different than any others. I'm joined with uh, my wife. Hi. Hi. Uh, I would like to call this will be kind of like the episode of West Wing when they do the documentary series about CJ. It's part of the canon, but it's a little bit different. It's like a deep cut reference. Yeah, yeah. Nobody so, else is going to understand. Yeah. Uh, so basically, for my our my idea was, uh, this will be probably the only episode like this in the entire Let's Chat series. Of, so I guess it's te- it's canon. It's just different. So if you don't want to hear my wife and I talk about our struggle with infertility, respectable, you can listen to the episode before, after, or any other episode of the show. Uh, so this is definitely a one off. Um, to any of our friends or relatives listening, uh, understand that. Chris and I will be talking about our sex lives and intimate parts. So uh, if that makes you uncomfortable, you might want to turn off the podcast now. Yeah, listen to uh, a different episode. There's there's a lot of good ones. Hey, Victoria's been on a few times. Go back in the backlog and find her on with Lily Chun, Jimmy Marks, Alex and Apasinich, and then she never listened again. Never. All right. Act one. <laughs> I'll, I'll face you uh, yes, Christopher and I are sitting on the couch together, looking so, at us, each other, as we do this, and we're both very nervous, we don't know why, and we don't really know what to say. I'm scared. Oh, well, it's understandable. Uh, so, let's... Let's, let's a- I guess, start at the beginning. Alright, guess you're gonna take, take charge. charge. kind of what I do. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> what's... Know. When do we... We got married in t- October 20th, 2013. Well done, dear. Uh, wonderful day. Uh, we decided to wait about a year, under a year to start having to try to have kids. Well, that's not how I remember it. I waited a year. <laughs> uh, no. So what happened was we got married, like he said, October 20th, 2013. Wonderful day. Wonderful wedding. Loved every second of it. And the entire time we were planning that wedding, we knew that we wanted to wait to have kids for sure after the wedding because we wanted to enjoy the wedding itself um and not make too many life changes all at once and then we figured we'd take our time and figure it out after we got married and then in january our amazing nephew was born in january of 2014 and he kind of put a wrench in our plans because he was this tiny perfect little guy that we instantly fell in love with um and we it kind of ignited something in me um, pretty quickly to <laughs> want to experience that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I made the decision very soon after he was born, which was January of 2014. Um, and we talked about it. We didn't make any definite moves on it for a few months. There were, you know, things to do. I had to stop my method of birth control before we could actually start trying. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about how you felt about trying to... Starting trying to have a baby. Uh, it's funny because it, uh, you always spend your whole life trying not to get someone pregnant or get pregnant. Uh, not that I had that many opportunities. Oh, <laughs> poor sad. Let's make it sound like I had millions. Um, so I was nervous, obviously. But once little Ben came around, it was just the first. I, I mean, I was. I've always wanted knew we wanted to have kids. We knew that from the day we got married. Yep. Uh, since day we met because you brought that up on the first date <laughs> well you gotta weed out you know the, <laughs> the bad seeds we met at 24 and 25 yep. so it was a little different than when i was younger yep. uh really scared and totally fell into that thing that you have sex once and you get pregnant 
with unprotected sex. Yeah, I kind of had to teach Chris about ovulation and things like that. It was yeah. hysterical. So it was totally like high school <laughs> failed me or the, the gym teacher, Mean Girls. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> you will have sex and you will get pregnant. Here, take some condoms. <laughs> uh, totally bought into that. Uh, so Just I think- once. Just once. <laughs> yeah. Can we have one conversation without Mean Girls? No. <laughs> Just once. Uh, yeah, but I wasn't ready to be a dad as soon as you were ready to be a mom. But I, we were ready to start trying, yeah. uh, but I was definitely more nervous about it than you were, which just sucks. Not sucks. It's just strange because my body doesn't go any through any of those physical changes. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess men as you usual. You had some time anyway. <laughs> just being bitches. Oh, men. <laughs> but yeah, uh, no, meeting Ben and playing with them. And then once Aaron and Heather moved out here, it even got even better. Uh, just, and I feel like we, we have a very great relationship with my brother and his wife, Heather. And their little son, Ben, and he's, I mean, everyone loves their niece and nephew, but ours is be- the best. Hands down, the best. Yeah, and I don't know, I really remember, I remember very vividly in their old apartment when you got to teach him how to, like, we, you taught him how to play peekaboo. Yeah. And just being like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. And I know it's so cliche, but it really was. Like, I just felt so much in that moment, because I'm like, you just watch this little person learn something. Yeah. So I was I, yeah. So then, uh, so, so yes, then the fun started. Yeah, then the fun started. So I had to stop my method of birth control, and that took a couple of months to get taken care of. Um, for anybody wondering, it was an IUD, and it was wonderful. I would highly recommend it as birth control device because <laughs> you know, it's one day of pain to insert it, and then it's like up to five years a of pleasure. coverage. With it's just it's great. It's Which is wonderful I- ironic that you didn't need it. Uh, turns out, <laughs> huge waste of time, money, and energy on that thing. So anyway, we're, we're jumping ahead. Um, so we officially started trying to have a baby mm, or on, make a back, baby. Let's back up there. What? You started trying before me. You knew you were going to bring that up. <laughs> so I, so Christopher had this weird idea in his head that he didn't want to start to try until like August of that year because we were going on a big trip to Italy in November of that year, 2014. And he thought I would just get pregnant instantaneously. He'd like look at me and the semen would magically go from his balls to my vagina and make a baby. Which is not how it went. Well, I, listen, I didn't watch you go to Italy and not have wine. Well, that's true. I think that was my argument. So we said, <laughs> I mentioned how it takes a lot of people five to six months to conceive naturally. And he said, all right, well, let's start trying in August. You know, we all gives us a few months, things like that. But I was ready to go kind of back with my fertility um, in July. So I kind of just, you know, said, let's try in July without him really knowing. <laughs> I sperm jacked him. It was just the one time. Yeah, and it didn't matter. And it didn't matter. Um, um, and I knew it was just, it was what it was. I knew it wouldn't matter. Yeah. but um, uh, So, yes, yeah, so no, we started, I guess, unofficially in July, but really officially in August of 2014. And, and uh, go ahead. That part we could skip over because it's exactly what you think and it's awesome. Well, yeah, so when you start trying and it's this really wonderful time because... You're excited and you tell people and you're just so happy to be in this relationship and be full of love and knowing that you want to expand your family and it's all sex and spontaneity and you just start out all laissez-faire and, you know, and that's, that was the fun part and that was the part that was taken away from us pretty quickly. Well, that was also a strange time for me because... You got laid a lot. I was under the impression that you'd only be having sex with me. 
<laughs> he is kidding. But uh, <laughs> you felt that that meant you should get your seed from everyone to get like a cocktail. Yeah, but turns out it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it didn't matter. So <laughs> he is kidding. Yeah, wink. <laughs> he did not wink. Uh, yeah. Um. So yeah. No. So that um. Six months is fun, and then his first six months is fun. Seven months Lots is sex. Nerve wracking. Yep. Because then the, Eight the more you keep going. Changing the definition of sex for you. Yep. Nine months is like, oh, do we have it. to do this? Yeah. Ten and eleven, then twelve are just like, oh my god, please work, please work. We don't want to have to go to the clinic. Yeah. Well, so we skipped over that part. Around month like eight or nine, I had an appointment with my gynecologist, and I mentioned how my husband and I were trying to conceive naturally, and it wasn't working, and we'd been trying for a long time. And the rule is, um, if you're under the age of thirty-five. You have to be trying naturally for a year before you can seek medical treatment. And so we weren't at that point yet, so I had to wait. Um, so, which is when we knew we had a 12 month cutoff. It's like, okay, if we don't do this in 12 months, we have to go somewhere. And that somewhere was a fertility clinic. Women and infants, right? It was through Women and Infants Hospital in Rhode Island. It's called the Center for Reproduction and Fertility. Um, so that, well, I guess we can talk a little bit more about. You know, the whole process and that, that year is, was agonizing because you don't know if there's anything wrong. You don't know that there's anything right. It's just constant waiting for each cycle to pass you by. And every time it does, you just get sadder and sadder and more confused. And you see your friends and your relatives having babies and every celebrity under the sun getting knocked up. And it's disheartening. Hold the mic closer to your mouth. It's very difficult. Yeah, uh, no, yeah, God, we won't have to get into who we knew, but multiple people in our personal, professional, and uh, well, the celebrity stuff didn't bother me as much. But Victoria is now looking like from like a penis because <laughs> she thinks it's funny. He told me to hold it closer to my mouth. Uh, but uh, yeah, a lot of people had babies, and and good for them. We were so happy for our friends and family and loved ones, but it it was getting a little hard. Right, and you are, you know. It is a very lonely journey because... Well, we didn't tell anyone. We didn't really tell anybody. We sort of mentioned it off the cuff a few times, but it's a very private thing to go through, and it's lonely. You know, the speaking of like medical people, uh, I had a therapist at the time, which I no longer see, but yeah, she was pretty helpful. She was helpful, but I remember telling my PCP that we were trying to have kids, and I was wondering if I should get my sperm count checked before the year mark. Mm-hmm. And he literally said, uh, if you want to have a baby, just don't try and you'll have a baby. And that was the medical That's advice That's the I least got. helpful thing yep. anybody can say. And I remember, I, I think I expressed the infertility stuff and, and they did not check my sperm count. And that was the only medical advice I got. Yeah. Uh, whenever you sort of tell people that you're going through that, well, not going through this, but trying and things like that and people are full of the most useless information in the world and nobody has no idea what the fuck they are talking about did you get any stupid things like oh i got stupid things every time like oh just do it every other day and you're fine or you know the whole thing like oh just stop trying it'll happen just relax Mm -hmm. and it will happen bullshit every single thing that was ever said to me except for what my actual doctor reproductive endocrinologist told me <laughs> yeah, only listen to a reproductive endo- endocrinologist apparently yes <laughs> oh god i had, had stupid things with people which are like oh don't hurry it up because it all changes and you have a baby i'm like i know 
We know. How old were we? I was 30 or 31? No, you're 30. I was 30. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I know. I I want the change. Like, believe it or not, men actually want to be, have kids too. Yeah. And want to be dads. We were together for four years when we made that decision and we were already married. Like, we knew it was the step we wanted to take. It's always older people who hate their husbands or wives and kids too. I'm thinking of some specific people that were just curmudgeons. Yeah. That... I don't have contact with anymore. I know. I used to work at a place um, that was just full of curmudgeons. Curmudgeons. And all they would do would be complain about their kids, and some of them grown, and some of them not. And like you're sitting there, and all you can think about is how you want this, and you're choosing this, and it's not happening for you, and you hate those people. They're the worst. So, when did the being sensitive to being around children and other people's kids, someone getting pregnant, hit you? Oh, pretty quickly. I think, didn't we go to a party? Mm hmm. For a friend. Yep. That um, was the first time I knew you had a baby. And, like, it was a family-ish type party, not a member of our family, but um, the friend had a lot of her family there, and a lot of those people had young children. We had been trying for a long time, and it wasn't working, and I was sad. So being surrounded by those people kind of broke me. Pretty sure I cried on the way home. And that's when therapy started. Were you after that? Well, no, I had been um, seeing a you had a different therapist, different one for a couple of years at that point, and I went for a different issue. Um, so she wasn't really great. Like it wasn't just about, I guess, because we started on different issues. It wasn't just about my feelings about the having the baby. So it didn't really help. I guess. Yeah. I was only seeing her once a month, and it just it didn't resonate. So, and I actually ended up stopped seeing her right before we went to the uh, fertility clinic. So she wasn't there. I, I was so I wasn't seeing a therapist for many months during that process, which I now regret. Um. So anyway, so we get to the twelve month mark, and it's testing time. Which is anybody who knows about the infertility process is that it's a lot of testing because doctors really have no idea. <laughs> a lot of the time, what's wrong with you? We still don't even really know. And we still don't know. Um, so it's a will. lot of blood tests. It's a lot of appointments. It's a lot of money and money and invasive medical procedures, at least for the female that hurt quite a bit. Uh, the men usually just get to jack off into a cup. Twice. Twice. Yeah. Three times total. No. Yeah. Yeah. He got to do that three times. And that was, no, I think it was four. Oh, well. Uh, anyway. Uh, <laughs> Wasn't that hard? So it was a lot of testing, a lot of blood work, um, and that was like a month-long process. And then at the end of that, we still had no idea what was wrong. Um, basically, what they convinced themselves after a couple of cycles is that for one reason or another, my body was choosing not to ovulate. And if your body doesn't ovulate, which means release an egg into the fallopian tubes, there's nothing for the semen to meet with and create the baby. Um, so that's what they kind of discovered. And they put me on medication that makes a person ovulate. Um, and we tried that for five months. Which medicine? Let's get in the nitty gritty. Because I feel like anyone listening to this so we tried, has, done, has gone through it. Yeah. And I've actually, anytime I bring up like the medication I was on, people are like, oh, yeah, I did that. Um, so first they put me on Clomid or Clomiphene. Um, for the first three months and, you know, the first time it didn't work. So they upped the dose when they upped the dose, it worked that time. And then obviously we didn't get pregnant. 
And then oh, so we're still trying at this point on meds. That on meds. So, so it's I'm on meds to make me ovulate in the hopes that we can still conceive naturally. I just needed to ovulate. Um, so then they put me on the Clomid, up the dose, it ends up working. I ovulate, but did not get pregnant. We try that again and did not get pregnant. Well, let's stop for a sec. What are we feeling when that first time? Because I was convinced that you were going to get pregnant when we found out you ovulated. Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough when they tell you, oh, we just need you to ovulate. So then you think, all right, this medicine is making me ovulate. We just need meds. All right, we need meds. And you do the thing where you have sex like quite a bit. <laughs> um, some people choose to track the cycle and do it when you ovulate. But since I wasn't ovulating, it was kind of hard to do that. So to be safe, we had sex every other day. It was uh, exhausting. Yeah, but um, I'm just trying to remember those feelings of just like oh, it was just there and depression when like because it's just I mean and it's agonizingly slow. And days. you're doing pregnancy tests. I'm trying to. This is all getting blurry. Um, well, when you go through, um, it was all blood work, not home pregnancy tests. And waiting for that call. So you have to, you know, you go for blood work around like day 23 of your cycle, and that's when they tell you if you ovulated or not. And then you wait another week to find out if you're pregnant or not. Um, and it's it's agonizing every 30 days feels like a lifetime and it's mm-hmm. it's a roller coaster because try and then try again yeah well the roller coaster is you you know you get your hopes up and you try and you try and you try and you try and you get to that precipice where you find out the answer and then you drop real low and you find out it's a negative result and all you can do is just climb back up so again let's talk about how we handled our lows we oh it was tough had a routine Eventually, that we mm. would go to Chick-fil-A. Yes, Chick-fil-A was our it routine. It became our infertility thing. No one knew we were going... No, not me. My parents. Well, my mother no, knew my par- the process. No, my parents didn't know yet. I no, think. they didn't. Uh, and we had a couple that has a child that is very close to us, which we're going to name nameless, that was there for every step. Were they involved at this point? We must have told them at this point. Um, I think sort of. Once we went to the clinic, they were aware of the process. All right, so they were there for our highs and lows, and they were wonderful. And they they were our yeah because too. they had been through it too. Yeah, they got they were the same. very helpful. Um, I couldn't have done it without but them. But yeah, but it was still you know so it was still just a few people kind of in the. Know. But it sucks because you go to work and you're so happy and you're expecting a child and then you don't and then you have to like, God, just break down and not show any emotion in front of oh, anyone. I can't even tell you the number of times Sick I had to days. go to the bathroom to cry mm-hmm. to the point. How many sick days I had to use? How many? Yeah, I've been at the same job pretty much. No, I think we both have gone through a couple of different yeah. jobs since we started. Sick days, vacation time. I one at some point we get wise to this and start taking vacation days based off when we're getting the news because we don't know how we're going to handle it and we can't be around people. Yeah, we waited a while to do that though. Yeah, we, didn't we were silly. It took a while. It took a while. It was. I well, don't think there was any one way we could have coped with it. We just kind of did our best. I hope that's. Oh, we bought a lot of pop figurines too during that process. The oh, Funko. pop! Yeah, the Funko oh, pop figurines. So, like, anytime we got bad news, we'd go to Newberry Comics and buy ourselves chick- a new. Because it was by the Chick Fil A. Yes, it was right next to Chick Fil A. So I'm looking at our mantle right now, which has, no lie, at least twenty pop figurines. Yeah, and I actually had <laughs> we have um, a problem. If anyone didn't know this, at one point I was quite the cannabis consumer. Yes, and I had been cutting back, and then I stopped because uh, it lowers your sperm count. When we first tried. Turns out your sperm, not the problem, but go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and it was fine. It actually kind of worked out. That aspect worked out pretty well because I was getting ready to stop anyway. But it's just funny. You said pop, and I heard pop. I was like, oh, yeah. I used to just think how things changed in two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah, so I was, I'm was i drug-free and basically alcohol-free. I almost never drink alcohol. Oh, he doesn't. That's, very, yes. very, very. 
He uh, he's a good uh, sprite drinker. Whenever we go to a restaurant, <laughs> uh, now it's Diet Coke. Things oh, that's changed. right. Now it's Diet Coke. So, so yeah. God, I'm 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 remembering this too because you kind of go through this. It's like the last two and a half years were kind of a vacuum, to be quite honest. It was. Well, we were stuck in place for two and a half years. Well, we couldn't leave our jobs that we had that we were not that well, we wanted to. Well, I thought to. we couldn't. Luckily, I made a decision last year around March after trying for a while um, to leave a job that I was unhappy with. And it was the best decision I made because but, I ended up in a newer, better job. But I, I was trying to stick it out because of the whole fear of, you know, if you want to take maternity leave, you need to be working in a place for a year and... But I took the risk and it paid off, which is good. Well, yeah, because I didn't know that you have to work somewhere a year to get FMLA. Yeah. Uh, every state, does it do it different? Is that federal? But it's I'm pretty sure that's federal. Fe- Family Medical Leave Act. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, we, we live in Rhode Island, which is one of two states where we'll be able to, I'll be able to take uh, temporary paternity leave. Yeah. Yeah, paternity leave, which is so It's called, also called temporary caregiver insurance. Yeah. It's a new program. It's four weeks of it's great. semi paid leave the state gives you. Oh, it's a great program. So, but anyway. Um, well, I mean, and not only feel, you know, if you ever feel trapped in your career, it'd be like, and then it's like, well, we can't leave because I can't lose this insurance. Yeah. And I, absolutely. I, that was a factor. I, I feel we were okay. on, I thought we were on my insurance. We switched a bunch. Yeah. When I got this new position. We, oh, that's we right. We did. on mine. Um, I mean, not that I was looking to leave my job, but it just did feel like sometimes there's moments where you're trapped and you change and you look for a new job or you do this or you do that. And here we were, just like everything around us. Everyone else was getting what they wanted, and it felt like we were just waiting to get to the starting line. Yeah, we we were we were stuck in a place for a very long time, and you see everybody else. Just, I mean, it's not even jealousy so much as en. Well, I guess envy is the same thing as jealousy. <laughs> and you're not mad at those people, but you know, you see people buying houses or getting new fancy jobs or getting married, and oh, God forbid, having children, and you're still stuck in this place of waiting and agony and it's just it i don't even know how to explain it except to say this past summer i was we had an intern at my work and he ended up spraining some kind of tendon in his ankle or something so he was in a brace and on crutches and everybody had pity on him and was helping him out rightfully so and i was so jealous of him because his pain was on the outside and people were helping him, and he could be open about it, and I could not. So that's what it felt like. Deep. Thank you. Drop the mic. Walk away. No, don't no, really go. hurt. <laughs> oh boy. I, <sighs> you know what's weird too? I th- I I'm such a just a uh, a full on optimist. Just, mm. It's just my genetics somehow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first time we saw the doctor at the clinic, which I remember you were in tears when we were in the meeting because it's yeah. sad as shit. I remember walking out with so much hope, like, "Oh my god, we're just going to take meds and you're going to get pregnant." Yeah, I guess. And and I'm such an idiot because every time I thought you were just going to get pregnant, and no, I was never right until the end. No, we gave up a few times. Yeah, but I thought did. the meds were going to work. Oh, it didn't work this time. We'll try this time, and then we had to move to the. Uh, what does IUI stand for? In intrauterine insemination. So we did IUI, like, well, what? that's definitely, I remember actually. Well, yeah, so at each step of the process, we were convinced it would work, and then well, it just starts hurting. Talking with you, and we, we, we were, we were there for each other pretty well. There's sometimes we definitely drifted apart, because it's, well, how do you not, it's, it's very It's inevitable, I think, it's just yeah. so painful. And, and we, but we were always very open with each other, and be like, we're pretty far away this week, and, we, and then we would consciously try to bring ourselves together. Yes. 
Um, and the, there are some weeks, you just, months, you just needed to be two ships going through your misery. I wouldn't say it lasted months. It was years. just pockets of time here and there. I'd say at least four years we've been together. Oh, hush your face. But I remember us talking at one point, and uh, I'm like, well, Fr- Dr. Frischman is our doctor. Uh, All right, so we haven't talked about that first appointment, but we will. Oh, yeah, but, uh, I, was, I actually remember being like, well, it's just because you can't ovulate. And now that you can ovulate plus IUI, there's no reason you won't get pregnant. I know, and we, we are were really optimistic about those IUIs. Because logistically speaking, it makes sense. Like, you're ovulating, you're taking the meds, everything's... We're tr- they track that thing to a science of when you're ovulating, and we're going to put the semen right to where it needs to be, and bam, baby. And then we're going to get on our way going, and nope. That did not happen. Anyway, so... So we, we hated our doctor. Yes, we did. So we go meet with this fertility doctor for the first time in... Pretty sure it was September of 2015. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it's scary because you don't know why you're there. You don't know what's going to happen. It's this brand new environment, and new office and you have no idea what to expect and then they take you to this windowless little hole of a closet called an office where the doctor who spends all of five seconds with you like goes over your chart doesn't look up from the computer diagnoses you as infertile and then just like goes from there oh also can i mention that they don't decorate this room because it's such like they must it's use, the most sterile room. They must rotate that room. People just come in, hop on a computer, look at your chart, leave. Yeah. And then we It's so impersonal. And then you're crying, they say goodbye, and then we talk with a real we talk to some really wonderful nurses. Which anyway, Not that first have, time. No, that first time we don't. But it, and then we just leave and I'm like, You go, any questions? I'm like uh, It's like, yeah, a million, but you're out the door. You're already leaving. And, like, and we have no idea what to ask about because we have no idea what to expect. It's like, why is Victoria infertile? Yeah. What, why doesn't she ovulate? Yeah, I they think don't they actually said, we don't know. And yeah. I think it was pretty much like, we'll never know why. Right. But can we fix it? Nope. Well, I mean, they tried to yeah. fix it with the medication. But like we said, Did medication work. didn't work. Well, the first medication didn't. Well, it made me ovulate the first couple times. But obviously, it was a negative pregnancy result after that. And then it didn't work one month. And that's when we had to go back to the windowless office. Mm-hmm. and talk about it and they put me on a different medication two different medications and those medications ended up working and getting me to ovulate but didn't get pregnant that first month and then that second and third month on the new two medications is when we tried IUIs which is basically what it sounds like they take your semen wash it thank goodness um and then in they inserted at a very specific time um for your ovulation and they track your cycle using blood tests and ultrasounds it's very precise so i did that twice and that also didn't work (laughs) and mind you for every procedure every blood work every little detail we're paying a lot of money every every visit all out of pocket i mean we had insurance but it's still expensive. yeah so actually i do want to mention that so we have insurance and we live in one of 13 states in the country that makes it mandatory for health insurers to cover fertility treatments which is not the case for a lot of the country so we didn't have to pay the entirety out of our pocket however we did have to pay 20 percent of the cost out of pocket and we're not talking fifty dollars here, fifty dollars there. We're talking sixty dollars every doctor's appointment. We're talking one hundred twenty every blood test, seventy five for five hundred every ultrasound. Mm-hmm. Like 
IUIs were, I think, at least 600 each. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not small. Um, it's not a small amount of money. We both work in the nonprofit sector, I would say. You yeah, work Not anymore. Not, but, not yeah. anymore, but I think you were at the time. Or Anyway, let's just say we're not rolling in cash. Um, so that was also an added burden because any money that we would have hoped to save up for a buying vacation a or buying a house or anything, I mean, you know, the reason new we, cars, anything, yeah, the reason we didn't, was we, spent. We can't buy a home right this right. morning, which I'm not complaining because we're not being babies, but uh, it's because all that extra savings money went to living and then... And then the cost of all the medical bills. And they're so unexpected. And, of course, you don't get told how much anything costs. So oh, no, get, I don't know how they get away with that. No, and then you just get bills for hundreds to thousands. Yeah. And it, we'll skip this, just skip it ahead. And then when you want to get to the part when we had to do the IVF, you have to be paid Spoiler up on all your bills. <laughs> Spoiler You have to pay all of that. Everything needs to be paid. There's so many times where, like, well, you need to pay this before we're going to go any further. Oh, yeah. They, you know how um, impersonal that is to be like, you're going Oh, well, the- I mean, it's horrible because... It's a business, I guess. They view it as a business. And before they'll let you get to the next step in your process, you basically have to be up to date with your bills. So you can't, you know, go any further until you're fully paid. And for a lot of the procedures, at least for the IVF procedure, before they could actually go through with it, you had to pay them up front what they said was your cost of the procedure that they had not yet completed. Because their thinking is there's no incentive for a person to pay that bill once they have the result they want, which is true. I would have preferred to pay it in monthly installments, but no, that's not an option, at least at our fertility clinic. Yeah, so we did two IUIs. So we did two IUIs, and each we were really, really hopeful during that first IUI, and we actually ended up... Like when we got the negative results, we were both just crushed. We escaped to with the tears. Cape Cod that weekend. That's Cape Cod. Yeah, that was and Chick Fil A. And Chick Fil A. There was a Chick Fil A run. Yep, and then we went to Cape Cod for three days. That was nice because we ignored everything. Yep, we kind of got away. I think that's when I told my parents around that time. No, we didn't tell your parents until it was time to do IVF. Well, sorry, mom and dad. Um, so anyway, so yeah, that first IUI was really heartbreaking. We were so convinced it would work because I was on the meds that made it happen. We did the trigger shot, which makes you ovulate. and they, It was timed perfectly and everything went well and nothing. And at this point, too, we're riding back and forth and visiting our uh, unknown, un, unstated, unnamed friends who right. have a baby who went through IVF. And they are just everything. They're writing to us at every hour of the day. They're just... They're there for us anytime. Texting, phone calls. Well, and they understood the process, so it was just nice to bounce mm-hmm. things off of them. And so, could, and when, like, I mean, there were definitely people who helped us along the way. Couldn't I have my very best friend, whom I love dearly. Lily. Yes, that is her name. Um, she, although has not gone through this, thankfully, and I hope she never does. I hope nobody does. Um, she was a huge support system for me because she was just so loving and compassionate and was listening to any time I had to break down and would take me out to dinner and let me talk for hours. And it was just so amazing. And my mother who knew about this process as was happening was also very generous with her time and love and compassion. And like you said, our friends who went through it, they were a great resource and were very helpful. So we did have some support, but at some point, I mean, it just, all the support in the world doesn't make you feel better. It's more about strangers bothering you, like... Oh, um, when you're having kids! Mm-hmm. Don't you want kids? Oh, you should have kids. Or if you sneezed and someone thought you were pregnant. Yep. Oh, I don't feel good. Pregnant! Yeah. Like, nope, but thanks for 
twisting the knife. Or when you're talking with friends about doing IVF and you're making a sarcastic comment about, oh, you know, we'll just give up and not do anything. And um, somebody says rather carelessly, or you could just adopt and you want to punch them in the face. Yeah. <laughs> but it, I, That person it, apologized for that remark, by the way. And it's not their fault because they don't know that you're sensitive to something because right. you can't explain it. And so it's also a weird thing about being super sensitive to something really basic and then not explaining why you're mad at someone when they, they have no idea they did something wrong. Yeah, that's Not tough. that particular person, but, other, <laughs> but you know, right, others, yeah. It, it's weird. Cause, and just imagine being sensitive to hearing or seeing children. You know how many just fucking anywhere. movies, TVs, comedy shows? We were going Children months. are everywhere. We tried to avoid uh, going to anything. Like any kind of event where we knew it was Farmers just markets kids everywhere. You just, restaurants. I don't know, you get to a point where it just makes you too sad to contemplate, so you just figure why bother and our little friends with the baby was the only one that we could be around because he got because that's how they were born they were an ivf baby right and we just we loved that little baby so much and they right. meant the world to us and they did more for us than they'll ever realize i think so so what's after the iuis so after the iuis a gap. is when no there wasn't a gap because i knew i wanted to have a meeting with a doctor Sometime before the second IUI kind of finished so that we could jump right to the next step, which it turns out the next step would be IVF or in vitro fertilization, which is a long drawn out process, which is why I wanted to start right away. So basically, as soon as we found out that that second IUI did not work, four days later, I'm starting meds for IVF. What meds? All right. I have a list. Hang on. Let me get my handy dandy notebook. You just woke up our IVF cat. Oh, yeah, so... uh, He comes later, but yeah. He comes later. We'll talk about him in a little bit. One of the reasons we got a kitten during all this... Well, because we love cats. We already have a cat, and then we got another cat, because it was so hard. Because we needed something to love. Mm-hmm. Which, it doesn't... Right now, he, no, <laughs> he's, he's sleeping He's just kind of sleeping, not looking us. at us. Oh, And we have right. another cat who's sleeping and hiding elsewhere. Good for nothing lazy bums yeah. there. Anyway, so... Oddly enough, the first medication they put you on for IVF is birth control pills, which that is what is I was thinking. so counterintuitive. That was so ironic. It's crazy. Um, the reason is so basically, if anybody doesn't know what the IVF process is, I mean, I'm not exactly a doctor, so I don't know all the medical terminology, but it's basically you overstimulate a woman's ovaries, so a doctor can. Basically, collect as many eggs as possible from you. They take a sperm sample from your partner and they fertilize the eggs they collect in a lab. And then at the right moment, they transfer those fertilized eggs, not all of them, obviously, usually one or two at a time, to the female back to the uterus and hope that it implants itself. So that's what IVF is in a very abbreviated non-medical nutshell. Uh, and just a side note, Victoria here wanted to use Tom Hiddleston's semen and asked the doctor I mean, like six times. And they can said you no. blame me? He's so tall and dreamy. You're like, he's in Rhode Island with Taylor Swift. So. Oh. R.I.P. Hiddle Swift. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that just ate, it all comes back to Taylor Swift. Well, now it all comes back to Tom Hiddleston. He's Loki. So dreamy. Anyway, no. So I had to use his sperm. Um, so anyway, so they put me on birth control pills, which was weird. First of all, because we had been trying for two years to get pregnant, and then they put had, us on birth control. We probably had sex like once that month. Oh, it was horrible. Um, it did. It did change sex. Well, I mean, they tell you to 
like use condoms when you have sex because oh, the weird. whole part of the IVF process is, I mean, it, the doctor needs complete control over what's happening with your body. Like you're not supposed to Thanks, Obama. ovulate. It's all about stimulating your ovaries. So the birth control pills prevent you from ovulating. And then they put you on a, one in uh, medication. That's an injection. Um, I used Lupron. And I think that was also another suppression medication, which mimics the effects of menopause, which were a real treat, let me tell you. Hot flashes and emotional breakdowns, which are happening anyway. Um, but yeah, no, that was that was a delight. Um, and that one was my the first time I had to inject myself with a subcutaneous needle, which is like a diabetic needle. It's very small, very thin. You could barely feel it, but... You're injecting yourself. You're filling tummy? a syringe. Yeah, that was the one in the belly. Um, and injecting yourself. And it's weird because it's not like I'd ever done that before. So I remember the first time doing it, it took me a, quite a while just to get the courage to do it. Now it's – I don't even have to, like, think about it. <laughs> uh, his eyes are closed. I'm pretty sure he's sleeping. Christopher? Christopher. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, they put you in that. And then it, there's a second injection you start soon after that. Um, which stimulates your ovaries to make you kind of overproduce eggs in your ovaries, which, you know, once you keep doing that and doing that for days on end, my ovaries felt like the size of grapefruits. Like I was carting around two grapefruits in my uterus and it was very painful. I was very bloated. It was not fun. You wouldn't let me punch you in the stomach anymore. Nope. Nope. That's it's usually a no-no. And we had to stop our throwing you down the stairs class. Yep. That, that was also a bummer. Oh, I have dates for this. Oh, look at that. So you I do? started my meds on May 10th. Mm-hmm. Oh, then... my God. Is... Oh, that was right before my best friend's wedding. Isn't that something? That. Because huh. our due date is May 6th. Oh, wow. That's, That's pretty cool. That's full circle. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. IVF worked and we're pregnant. I don't uh, think we said that in so the beginning. Yeah. That's the only reason we're doing this. You're 13 weeks. Oh, I'm sorry. 14. We're not pregnant. I am pregnant. pregnant. No, wait. No. I'm no. pregnant. I'm I'm the pregnant Thirteen, almost fourteen weeks. I am fourteen weeks pregnant as of this taping. Yeah, yay! So we totally talk- cut to the chase there. My bad. Whatever. Anyway, we'll get to that. Well, um, I, I wouldn't be able to talk about it if you weren't. Uh, yes, that's true. We we wanted to do this podcast for a long time, a but we waited ago. until we got the result we wanted, and we're at a good place to talk about it. So that's why we're doing it now. Anyway, so I started my medication on May tenth. My first injection was. 14 days after that, May 24th. And then I got a blood work and an ultrasound June 2nd, so I can start the other meds June 3rd. Um, it's just a lot of injections, a lot of ultrasounds. It's just a, a lot of medical TV stuff news? to go through. Yes. Um, I wasn't going to mention that, but sure. They are all transvaginal ultrasounds, which the ladies out there know what they are. It's basically a probe the size of a dildo that is uh, inserted into your vagina um, that's covered in a lubricated condom, and they're extremely unpleasant. Um, and they don't warm them up for you? Never. Never warm them up. Um, so then they you're doing those medications for a while, for a couple of weeks, it looks like, and then you take what's called a trigger shot, which is basically medication to kind of develop the eggs. And then exactly like 36 hours after that, you have what's called an egg retrieval, which is where it's a surgical procedure where the doctor gets all the eggs they can from my ovaries 
to use for the um, in vitro fertilization. So that happened on the 16th of June, which we can talk about that procedure. It was a long day. It, yeah. I had to go. It was done at the um, in an operating room, but it was just a floor above the clinic. So it wasn't yeah. in a hospital hospital, but it was in the medical office. And I had to get um, a spinal anesthetic um, because it's basically surgery. Uh, which took five hours to wear off. <laughs> oh, this is... So I was numb from the waist down. And this is when you're making jokes to the nurse. I did. So I'm in the operating room, and right before they give me my spinal, they give me some funny drugs to make me relax, so I'm a little high. And the nurse, because this is Rhode Island, was decked out in Patriots gear, like Patriots like cap. Sport and team. Just all over. So I go to her in my high state and I say, oh, so you're a Giants fan? <laughs> and the nurses do not stop talking about that all day. They So we also got lucky because you were the only one there that day? Yes, I was the only one getting the procedure done that day. So after the procedure, which takes like 40 minutes, it's very quick, and I was high the whole time, so I didn't even notice. Um, Chris was allowed to come back to the post-ops place um, like area because there were no other patients there, which is a good thing because I was stuck there for another five hours waiting for that damn anesthetic to wear off. Those nurses were awesome. I mean, that is something I will say about this process. We hated our doctor. He's a very cold guy. We had maybe a grand total of 30 minutes interaction with the guy for a year of treatment. He was very abrasive. He slightly misogynistic. He was the doctor from arrest development, essentially. I don't know what that means. Remember, uh, whenever they would go to the hospital, we'd be like, he, oh, yeah, that he looks dead. And they'd all cry and be like, whoa, he's covered in blue paint. He looks dead. Oh, yeah. Kind was, of like that. He was bald. So we did not like him. Um, but, but the nurses. The nursing staff at that place, which who is who you see the most of and who you get the phone calls from and who do you, the bulk of your procedures, those are the ones who do it. So they are always lovely. And Empathetic and yes. funny. And they're the ones with the information. Like, they're the ones they who I would ask everything. the questions of. Yeah. So that day we got to hang out in there for like five hours with them. Yeah. And they were, uh, they were very nice. They were nice and they were hanging and we were yeah. talking and like getting to know each other. They gave us extra crackers and, and basically all the, a lot of snacks for the place for everyone since we were only one. They just gave them all to us. We got free soda and, yeah, it was, and it wasn't it was, fun. I mean, it wasn't fun, but they made it. They let us listen pleasant. to music. Yeah. Like, they were just, I don't know. I, no one else knew what we were going through, and in that moment, that, like, meant everything to me. And they were yeah. so sweet, and they were so funny, and it was just fun. And, like, they thought you were hilarious. You were well, making I them I am laugh. hilarious. You were, you were very funny. Uh, but it was just, it was, I I don't know. It was just like, we can sit and look at the highway. But, and. Well, I mean, it was boring, but. Oh, it sucks. I just wanted to go home. Yeah, you do. Just want to go home. Did you go to work the next day? I had to go to work the next day because, stupidly, just the way the timing works out, which you have no control over the timing, I had a huge work event the following week. So I had to go to work the next day, which was a Friday, because we had a ton of things to get done, which was a mistake because I was extremely sore and in pain. I I just had the spinal, so I was limping. And can't tell anybody. I basically had to be very vague with my supervisor and say something like I need to get a medical procedure done and it has to be today. Yeah. And Your boss thought you had cancer probably. I'm pretty sure year. he thought I had cancer. What? A- he asked me all the time about my health and I had to He's lie. He's a good guy. Yeah, the number of people I had to lie to, I mean, it's it's a little startling how good I got at it. You're like Jeb Bartlett. Yeah, I remember I had to get a rubella vaccine like sometime I don't even know last that is year. Still. 
Well, you're supposed to have it before you get pregnant. Wait, didn't that rubella is very that, dangerous? That threw us off by 30 days. Remember, we had yeah. To stop so I had to get trying. that vaccine, and when you get that vaccine, they make you stop trying for a month. Um, so, but you know, when I had to get that, I just told them I was getting a flu shot, like just little things like that. Anytime I had an appointment, I just a doctor, or dentist, so can we or something. Talk about why we had to lie. It's because we, 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 I don't know if this is a term you coined or you mm. heard, but you call them womb hunters. Yes, there are people out there who think it's their business to know everything that's happening with your uterus and who want to know the second you get pregnant. They're called womb hunters and they're very inconsiderate. And, you know, again, this is a private thing and you don't want your boss, who in my case is an extremely kind and compassionate 62-year-old man, to know that much about your reproductive cycle. You just don't. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, thankfully, yeah, and that, and that's true. And other people's situation, other jobs, they could fire you for that stuff, and like yep. they don't want you to take maternity leave. Exactly. But, and we didn't have that, which is, which is good. Which, but that should be the norm for everyone. But no, it's just it's true, and it was just like the reason we didn't want people to know is because every time it didn't work, it's so hard to go back and tell oh, people because we told so some people hard. we were doing things. And, then when and you get your work, hopes up, and you feel like them, they get their hopes up, and then so when it fails, cr- not only is it like. A huge thing for you to deal with but you feel like you let them down it's that weird thing like when you get hurt or something happens and then you go to tell someone and then you end up apologizing i'm trying to think of a good example but like it's like it's like when you it's like if you break a leg and somebody has to come help you and check you out of the hospital you apologize to that person mm-hmm. for the inconvenience for them having to come get you whereas you're the one in pain and broken. you start starting to do that thing where you start taking care of other people besides yourself you're from- oh for sure yeah it's yeah it's like it's like if someone kind of you get in a fight with your friend and it's their fault and then you end up apologizing even though it's their fault yeah it's like that i know so that was a big piece so anyway yeah so i had to be go to work the next day which just was horrible because i was in so much pain and then they scheduled the transfer. Um, oh, so let me go through a little numbers with you. So basically they collected 11 eggs out of me and my ovaries. Um, Which is a great number. That's a pretty good number. We were so happy with that. Um, but, you know, 11 sounds like a lot, but you realize very quickly that it's not necessarily a lot. Because of the 11 at the time that we were going to do the fertilization. The ICSI? That's later. Uh, no, that's part of it. Uh, seven of the 11 fertilized and that five of, so they collected 11 eggs. They fertilized five of them the normal IVF way and two of those worked. And then they did the other six in what's called ICSI, which is, I don't know what it stands for, but I do know that it's kind of a newish IVF thing where they take, they fertilize the eggs using a single sperm. Um, and that's, I don't know, that's just how it's done. Um, and five of those six ended up fertilizing and developing. And then the day of my huge work event, I had to take an hour off because that was the day that the doctors transferred an embryo back inside my mm-hmm. uterus. Oh, wow. Is that June 18th? <laughs> that was June 21st. 21st. I knew it was around that time. The retrieval was the 16th. When they transferred an embryo back inside me, it was the 21st. And we were just convinced it would work. We told ev- Well, we told our we family. We told many and people. the people who know. Our family, our friends, our and then some closer friends. Even, and people we spent a lot of time with. Yeah, uh, we, we were just convinced because this is the end game, right? This is IVF. This is what the entire journey has been leading up to. This is the thing that will work, at least in our heads, because it is the end game. 
And there's some other forces of, in our life we forgot to bring up. Oh, during about a month before this, we got kicked out of our apartment. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Probably because it was so traumatic. Uh, so I was the property manager of where we lived. So I was, uh, and basically they sold the house we lived in and we had 30 days to vacate. 45, essentially, to find a new place and move. Yeah, but it was basically like 30. Yeah, 30 ended up being 35. But so that. Throw that into the mix that we have. So to, while this is all going down we're in the month packing. of June, we're you also can't packing, lift anything. and I can't lift anything, and we have to have it's extremely help us. difficult. Yeah, yeah. It was so just, that was just uh, you know they say like like hints and stuff like that for the IVF process, like don't make any <laughs> big life changes or do anything like you know switch jobs or move or anything like that during this process. And we kind of did all. Where did Rocket things. come in? He comes in around now. Oh, he's before the transfer. Yes, he's before the so before, before the we got him in the beginning of June. So we got our little kitten uh, um, my friend, right around when we were kind of in the middle of the IVF process. Friend at work had cat had kittens, and we decided that we wanted. It was offered, hey, do you want a kitten? And we've always wanted to get another one, but never would. Because our cat Belle is kind of um, she's baby. a she's a she's a She's a pretty, pretty princess who likes to have control of the castle and yeah. doesn't like other animals. So she's a little spoiled. Uh, so we're also trying to introduce two cats to each other, which, I mean, that's not right. the biggest I mean, stress. well, we got Rocket because we were just so sad and wanted something to love. Yeah, we just needed some. And I call him our little IVF kitten. He's our, and now he's a giant. But he's so napping on, on the top chair. of all that. So we did everything wrong. So you did the transfer and then you went to work. We were I, on your feet all day. I was on my feet all day after that, which is stupid. Stupid. But we also don't know if that's why it didn't I, work. I don't know. Anyway, so There's spoiler some other alert, theories about the chemicals. We find out the day before we're supposed to move. Oh, can we talk? Do you, is that too personal? No, we can tell them. What are you talking about? We're at the restaurant. <coughs> so we're at an Italian restaurant with, with family. my family, my mother, father, and brothers, because they're there to help us move. Because we're getting the moving truck the next day, and I look and I go excuse myself to the bathroom and realize that I'm bleeding quite heavily, um, and. That's when I kind of know that it didn't work because it's basically the same as a regular period flow because it was. So it didn't work. That first transfer did not work. We went the next morning for a blood test and it was confirmed later that day that it was a negative. Well, you knew. We called our friend. We called our friend who obviously hadn't gone through it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I just, I knew the second I saw the blood. I was in denial. I know you were, but it was my body. So I knew I know. what was happening. I know. Um, so let's talk about that moment. We get the call, which we get. We already knew. Yeah. I went catatonic. You slept for like two hours. We had a house. We had a house boxes. full of people and things in boxes. And people coming to help the next day that we had to call and tell not to come. Well, no, it was that day. So the day we found no, but out. I call, was, oh yeah, yeah, I called so my dad. So the day we found out it didn't work was the day we were supposed to move, but we knew it wasn't happening. So that when we postponed it a day and, and you had to call off your land, father, our your landlords, brother. our future landlords were okay with it. They right. Got, so we ended up moving two days after that, which was a nightmare. So, and then my dad was doing something. I think we just told, we got a lot to, well, actually, so here I literally, I, I literally went catatonic where I lied in my bed. I didn't move. I shut my door. I have no idea. I think your brothers and your dad, and your mom were wonderful people. Um, I think they moved a lot of stuff for yeah, us. Yeah, they were packing for us, and they filled a couple of car loads and drove it to the new place while we were unable to move. And then me and Alex went to go see Independence Day. For oh, yeah. I made Alex take you to see a movie. I just couldn't see uh, Finding yeah. Dory at the moment. Just I, I don't know. I just needed to not think or talk about it, and I don't drink. so It was by far that day. was The worst day I of my life. I think it'll go down as the worst day in my life. Yeah. It Besides was, our wedding. 
Ha ha. But yeah, but then it I, was by far. I've never been that depressed. I've never been that depressed. And actually, that started what I'm pretty sure was a full 30 day depression for me. How many times did we see your therapist together? Is this around that time? Oh, yeah. So I should mention around April of this year, which was like a month or two before we started IVF, um, I started seeing a new therapist specifically who's like an expert in (gasps) infertility. And she got pregnant. Well, no, she was pregnant when I started seeing her. I didn't realize that right away. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, it didn't set us back or anything. She actually turned out to be a lifesaver and was a Mm. great therapist. I went to some sessions. Chris did attend a couple sessions with me and they were very helpful. Oh, she God. really, cause she, that was, she, she was currently pregnant, but that was her third pregnancy with IVF. So she knew the process inside and out and she was just so great about helping me like understand it and cope with it. And she was, she was amazing. One of the ironic thing during all of this, my uh, therapist I had been seeing for maybe one or two years for a while, for a long time, dropped my insurance. Yeah, decided to drop the biggest insurer in Rhode Island. Uh, not so. like some rando insurance we not had, rando. like the biggest insurer in Rhode Island. She decided to stop accepting. And I just didn't feel like it was worth paying her for it. And I, I was ready to leave anyway, I should say, but it was just kind of ironic. Yeah. So, I mean, and just also fun. during this... Um, Everything changed. Yeah, she uh, during the month of June, she was actually off because she had her baby. So while we were going through the actual IVF process... She wasn't as much of a resource, obviously, because she wasn't there. And then I didn't go back to her until the middle of July, which was like the kind of heart of the, the right in the middle of dealing with all, it all. And I, I went think, with you for one of those. Yeah. And I think when I started to process the whole IVF not working first time with her is when I actually sunk deeper into a depression because it's a lot harder to deal with those emotions than to actually suppress them or just get through them day to day you know so it was like a solid month of the inability to feel joy or happiness we did um what they kind of talk about in alcoholics anonymous is just day by day like literally like, literally that became our minute. thing like just wake up getting just honestly finding the courage to get out of bed and go to work and mm-hmm. be a functional human it's harder than it sounds sometimes and it was hard to i actually took well we had some time off for the move anyway which was nice because like the week after it happened, we were off from work, and that was good. We just we went to Vermont. We did. We went to Vermont to kind of again to escape from things. And then we and just set up our house. We didn't people. sit still. We did not sit still. Oh yeah. So right after we got the bad news, the next day we've got a, the fucking moving van, U-Haul, in our backyard, and had to move the apartment. That took two days, and then we spent four days straight unpacking. I don't think I sat down. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause I had to feel well, settled. I, I, we were living in boxes for a month and it was terrible and I needed to feel not like only I going through the depression, but also not feeling like we had a place to live. Yeah. Like it, it was like we no just, home. there was no home so and there this, was no comfort. The place we're in now, which we love, it felt like home immediately. Well, yeah, that, because we spent four days setting it up. <laughs> and we should also mention we lived in our old apartment for five years. So you have a lot of shit. Hey, you do too. We, not you, like you, you, like you as uh, anyone. Okay. Oh boy. <laughs> We had a lot of shit. We had a lot of stuff, and I it took forever to pack, and it and then, took forever to unpack. And, and, I, and I'm the property manager, so there's a lot of added responsibility yeah. for it. So there's just a lot to do. Yes. Oh, so it then, was horrible. What's the time frame from? But one thing that Amanda, your therapist, said that she was impressed with us was that uh, we never doubted and we never thought to stop. We just, to quote Luke Cage, to quote Pops, 
always move forward. Oh boy. We never ever I never even thought that We never I didn't stopped. it didn't, it didn't we, come in my head that we could not I right. we were having a kid. I didn't care if it was natural if we were gonna adopt one or if I had to steal one. But it was <laughs> He was never gonna steal one. That was just, a joke. Yeah, but it just I guess for us we were both on that same page of we're going to just do this like, until it's over. This is what we're doing. And yeah, she actually said she we were very organized about it. She said, and well, she you. and she said, well, yeah. Um, she was very impressed with us as a couple, especially after having a couple of sessions with us, because she said, for a lot of people, a journey like this actually exposes the flaws in a relationship, and sometimes couples will drift further apart because of it. And she commended us for drifting together like closer together and yeah. remaining strong and as a I, unit I, during this process when it can break a lot of couples and i had gone to therapy years before and i guess i had some uh issues with kind of dissociating with other stuff not like terribly in like a hurtful way just and uh, I, I that's a part of me i don't like about myself and that was something i had worked on so thankfully that was taken care of so i guess the key here is uh always do the self-work on yourself because when things like this happen you're you know, we had to build up. We had no armor. We had to build up the armor to get yeah. to here. So, like, you kind of get desensitized. I used to smoke a lot of weed to so I could dis- disassociate from my feelings, and I wasn't. So I had to feel everything. And it was. And I had deep. a partner to go through with it. And there's times where we were uh, just super sad. There was super super sad, and there was, was no way like. They were just I like, can't this tell sucks. you how I got over it or how we you just got kept over saying, it. This <laughs> fucking sucks, and we it would just does. walk around the house. This sucks. And we would just... Oh, here's another little tip for just anybody... Tip. Disgusting. <laughs> for anybody who knows somebody going through something, when you tell them it sucks and you're in pain and it's horrible, don't tell them to get better. Don't tell them to feel better. Don't try to make them feel better. Just say yeah. Just say yes. It does suck. And I am sorry. That is what my best friend would repeat to me as many times as I needed. Well, yeah, but I'm, she's not my best friend because she's a therapist. She's no, I mean, friend. she, she has friend. some knowledge about these things. Yes. Um, she said that to me, I can't tell you how many times, and every time I just, it made me feel not so alone. Yeah, it was just nice to be told to be a, have the advice of just sit through your pain, just sit in the pain. Yeah, I, I like to say that there's nothing that can make going through infertility better, but there are things that make it less horrible, and those things are people... Like the friends we relied on, mm-hmm. like my best friend, like our parents. Little nephew Ben. Our nephew, of course, whom we love dearly. Um, a very, Kitten. turns out, supportive um, work environment I ended up in with an understanding boss who let me take off as much time as I needed. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I previously had worked in group homes and retail where time off was just impossible. Yeah. So and, I will uh, say we are very lucky. Because in some aspects. We, in some aspects because we had professional jobs, so paid time off is a thing we have, luckily. I, I could ditch out for an hour and not have to right. worry about anything. And, right. and, and, and actually and my going boss – back to the – sorry, go ahead. My boss at that time it is, is became our, my life, our life friend. Oh, yes. Uh, and she was aware of what was going on. And she was really hip to letting me, like, sneak out for an hour here and there. Oh, she's great. Like, taking appointments and, like – I mean, being told by your boss, just being like, listen, if you can't come in, just don't. Right. Just take the day off. Take a sick day. It's okay. Yeah. So those are the things that kind of make it less horrible. And And I know we kind of skated over, like, the whole IVF thing and how much money it cost. But it cost a lot of money. At the end of the day, after all the tests and medications and procedures – 
in the IVF process itself, we spent $6,000. That's just that. And that's not including the copays for all the other shit to get here. Right. That's just six grand. Uh, so um, we... And I mean, full disclosure here, we're lucky enough to have an extremely supportive family who were able to help us financially with some yeah. of that. And I think that's fair because a lot of times you're like, how do you afford things? And I'm like, well, we, yeah, we had a great family who helped us out. Right. Um, I think something that was so hard for me to comprehend, not the asking for help, it was how much help was given to us because my family, while amazing and supportive and loving, um, they're not exactly like well off. It's We've struggled financially as a family for quite a while on certain things. And I knew they didn't have a ton of money to give us. But I knew we needed at least like $5,000 just for the IVF procedure. And I had no idea how we were going to get that. And I knew that it wasn't an option to not do it. So I called her, my mother and I said, well, mom, I need $5,000. And Aww. she said, fine, I'll give you $5,000. That was a very intense phone call, and I remember crying on that phone call, too. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> You're crying. You're crying. You're crying. You have emotions. Have a weakness tissue. Okay. Um. So that was, I mean, it was a hard phone call to have because it just, like, hit me in the gut, the amount of love and support I have from that woman and my father, and who I'm sure had to sacrifice quite a bit to give me that very large sum of money so anyway i had a similar conversation with less emotion when i tell it <laughs> to my parents and it was the same exact thing it was there wasn't even a, like a thought in either of both of, our, of my parents the same with years they didn't even think about it argue they're like okay sure right we'll it, make it, work. it was really how much you need how much is it gonna cost and then we we won't get into details who gave what but Let's just say without, without support them. from both of them. We, we wouldn't have a... Wouldn't I, I honestly do not know how we were going to do it. Well, we were going to take it alone. Yeah, which would have left us in debt for years to come. And we would have done it, because that's how... We would have done it, yes. We were very... I mean, then that's what you got to do. We would have done it alone. We would have put it on a credit card. That would have... Or oh, the yeah, other we were going to do credit cards and drain our savings and stuff. Or like the that. other thing you do is, like, you work a second job and you save that up for years, and we didn't have years. I don't know. It doesn't matter. We didn't have to do that. <sighs> yeah, we, so we, we were we, we, very... We, Luggy. We kept always moving forward. We did. Uh oh. I just, <laughs> I just quoted Pop. He just loves quoting Luke Cage. Great show. It uh, is a great show. Everybody should watch it. Anyway, uh, so, so during that month, that was after the worst we found out month. the negative, it was the worst. I was depressed, and I can't. We didn't even talk to each other. We didn't. It was just well, so hard and painful. I'm kidding. We did talk to each other. We <laughs> well, did not I mean, go out. We didn't. We do didn't go anything out. Fun. We, didn't we didn't see go, people. We didn't go out it for was, dinner. A heart. No, we didn't barely. see our families. No one came to visit us. It we, was we didn't. We just time. didn't want to be around anyone. And there was nothing that I can say that made me feel better about it. It just ended. Some, <laughs> it ended. Someone to ask me what's new, and I'd be like, nothing. Nothing. Literally, nothing is new. Stop asking me that question. And I'm like, literally I nothing. I would dread running into people mm -hmm. because I had nothing to say to that question. Yeah. I'm like, I know I feel empty inside and I want to... I'm dead inside. That's just... what I would say in my head. I am you dead You said that a lot around the house. Well, that's because I was. Yeah. Um, but that was fun. Anyway, after that month that was the worst thing we've ever gone through, we start again. So basically... Oh, God. 
We we oh, had embryos left over from you, the IVF procedure. You were being the wonderful, beautiful, amazing human being, did some research, and you found some... Oh, yeah. I don't know how you found this information, but some top-tier embryo. Google.com. Never heard of it. <laughs> uh, and they said, some doctors in Colorado? Yes. Can you just tell the story since I'm going to butcher it? I don't remember the details, but my therapist walked me through it. Um, so basically, um, what we would have... What we went through the second time is called an FET, which is a frozen embryo transfer. Once they transfer one into your uterus, they freeze the rest of the embryos to use for a future date or whatever, or in case, in our case, it, if it didn't work, sometimes you just, it, it is what it is. Um, so they freeze the embryos to use at a later time. And there's actually research out there that suggests frozen embryo transfer rates are higher. Then when you transfer an um, embryo that was just fertilized, uh, it has a lot to do with the woman's um, system because of, during the IVF process, you're basically putting your body through the ringer and your hormones are crazy because of all the medication. So there's some things to suggest that a fetal em- frozen embryo transfer is a lot more successful than a regular transfer because of that. And some doctors will only do frozen embryo transfers, which kind of planted a little seed of hope inside us so we decided no not me immediately like the next cycle after you know you have to wait a month um we would transfer another embryo but remember we just kept saying that you're not pregnant because we didn't want to get our hopes up we were just, well i mean so... that was after the transfer so yeah. we decided to transfer oh, that was too and weird. we actually decided to transfer two embryos against our doctors against will. our doctors chagrin uh chagrin um, he did not agree with that. He decision. was kind of a dick about it too, and, yeah, but didn't he explain why. He didn't explain why. He just cautioned us against it, and he walked out. Hey, turns out to my fucking body, and there are embryos, so I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want with them. And I transferred two. <laughs> so, and that was the appointment. I, I will say, anybody going through this, be your own advocate. Mm-hmm. So that's the appointment. I you, you. Oh yeah, so I was early. And I got lost. They, and you got, well, whatever. And they took me back to the room, like, early for some reason, even though I was early and I was going to wait for you. And I didn't want to say, oh, wait, Chris isn't here because they would have made me go back in the waiting room. And God knows how long we would have waited. So I kind of started without you because I thought cause you were supposed to be on your way. And I had no idea that it would just be so quick. And, yeah, and you get there and the doctor's like, oh, glad you can join us. And he's like, oh, and you went very reason, you know, said, oh, sorry, I'm late. I got lost. And. The doctor was very flippant, like, oh, you, you you don't even have to be here. You get points for being here. You I'm get like, points he for gets showing up. no points for showing up. This is his future child, too. Like, I'm like, I'm a That's part of this. That's why I said the doctor yeah. was a bit misogynistic. Oh. Because the whole time, it just felt as if, like, well, you want this baby, and I'm just here for the ride, and right. I'm not going to. And I kind of felt that way from them. It's like, I mean, I know you're going through is more chemical as well as the, yeah. but it was emotional for me as well. Of course and it was, and you were good. as part of this process as I was, yeah. and I just thought it was a very but careless the thing to say. Emo- yeah, but you were still and as invested as I was yeah. emotionally, like I wanted, not physically, obviously. Okay, I wanted, the, I wanted a child. Right. So I just um, thought it was really a thoughtless thing to say, which is just reason number a thousand. I did not like that doctor. But Amanda, your therapist, is always like. I don't know. You were always good about just checking in. Like, how are you holding up? I'm like, me? What about me? This is all about you. But, like, making sure I can take care of myself. Yeah, and... absolutely. It's, it's it's important. Yeah. So, anyway, they decided to transfer. Well, I decided to transfer two embryos, which was a risk. I mean, but it was a risk we were willing to take. You know what? Take. We thought the worst case scenario would be multiples. And there's a part of us that thought twins would be adorable. Yeah. We were okay with that. We... The Halloween costumes would be great. Halloween costumes alone would have been worth it. You... 
part of it. And our friends who had the IVF baby went through the same decision. It's like, right. you know, there's something to say of getting both your kids done out if you want to have two kids doing it one shot. Right. So there, we talked ourselves into there being multiples and being okay if it worked out if that way. If that's how it happened. So it we transferred not. two embryos. And that was on August 18th. And I was scheduled yeah. for a blood test 11 days later, which would which was the basically pregnancy <sighs> test. But it was a Sunday, so we had to wait an extra day. Oh, yeah. So they usually you can go 10 days later, which would have fallen on a Sunday for us. But the doctor's office made us wait till the Monday because they said, you know, well, we want to make sure there's a doctor here just in case you need you have questions. I'm like, I don't care. But they refused to change it. So let's talk about that. Oh, you know, I didn't even mention. So we decided to do this frozen embryo transfer. And part of because I didn't want to do things the same way we did um, for the previous cycle. Oh, we did everything different. So we did. They put me on two different medications that were different. I got to give you shots in the butt. Yes. So one of them was progesterone shots instead of tablets, which is an intramuscular injection, which is a needle that is an inch and a half long. That has to go right in my ass. I have to have Chris do. And they started the day of my birthday party. Yeah. So the day of your birthday party, which was August 13th, was also the day of my first injection. Hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year. We had 36, 36, 26 to 30 people in this house. And I mean, it was an amazing day, but yeah, that was like later that night, I had to get my first injection. Oh, and my, one of my dear friends had stayed over and we went out to the arcade bar. And you had to come home an hour later because these injections have to be done at a specific time every night. And this was going to set it up for the long haul. Right. So it had to be a very specific time. So you had to come back at like 10 to give me my injection and then you went back out. He was probably very confused. Yeah. And out in... Well, this is my friend James, and he's done the why. He knows. Now I told him since, but I don't. There was no part of him thought that I was giving you shots to get you pregnant. So, right. And he was so understanding. So, I guess if anyone's ever trying to sneak around, stop your curiosity once in a while, and people will tell you things when they want to. And thank God James is just like, sure, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, that was that didn't, was nice. Didn't even come up and didn't phase him. Didn't yeah. tell him, and we just hung out and yeah, sh- we hung out at Shelter Arcade and played video games and drank. Yeah, so I should say that injection, the inch and a half needle that goes Gotta right hurt. in the ass, it hurts a lot, and I had to do that forty-eight times. That, that doesn't so even scary. count the thirty-four injections I got for the first time around. Totally. So grand total, that's eighty-two injections into my body. So now. We do the second one, but then we did it different. You didn't go. You didn't go to your event. You came home. Oh yeah. Home. So after the transfer, I actually did some like self medicated bed rest for two straight days. So took two days off from work. We got some Chinese didn't food. Move. We got some, some Chinese food and Chick Fil A, of course. Um, and uh, I basically didn't move for like two days. I had you at my beck and call, and it was delightful. And. Uh, I just, I was, we were so worried the entire 11 days we had to wait for the result. The uh, weekend before, so we were scheduled for our blood test on a Monday. And that weekend before the blood test, we were just nervous wrecks. We were babysitting our nephew one day and it was, that was actually really helpful because it kept our mind off things. And we were busy the whole day and we got to spend it with somebody we loved dearly. So that was helpful. And then... Um, the next day, my Lily. best friend came down and we went to a flea market and we she helped us rearrange our apartment. so much money. Yes, we spent a, quite a bit of money. We bought uh, two pieces of art. Yes. And a, I don't know. 
It's like a gorgeous antique. Yeah, hundred. It was only hundred dollars. Yeah, it was a oh. hundred year old. It is for to hold sheet music because I got a record player for my birthday, and I started collecting vinyl. And we just went to the flea market and bought that. And then Lily and I had to bring it into the house because right, you can't, I can't lift anything. And then it turned into she spent the day with us rearranging our home. Right. Oh, and I should say, besides Lily, she I mean, Lily was the only one who knew about the specific process. We kind of kept it a secret from our parents and our very close friends. Um, because oh, we no wanted them to be surprised. No, like, we... we felt like, well, we couldn't take the disappointment again, so we kind of kept it to ourselves when everything was happening so that they knew something was up, but they didn't know the exact dates of it, <clears throat> so they wouldn't know when to ask if it worked or not. On the off chance it worked, that we'd be able to surprise them with the result, which turned out to be the right call. Yeah, so it, we had lied to everyone about the dates. Right. Um, um, so at that point, Lily is the only one who knows no, what Vinita Monday means. Known. But her husband, yeah, but he wasn't there that day. Yeah. We love him as well. Yes, we do. So the next day, it's a Monday morning. We get there at 730 and get the blood work. Although I don't know why we had to go so bloody early because they don't call you until the afternoon. They don't no matter open how their call early. center until. No, the so. nurses don't start calling until 130 in the afternoon. So no matter how early you get there, you're still not getting a phone call until like we, 1, 2 o'clock. We took the day off from work. We took the day off from work knowing that, I mean, positive or negative, we needed the day to ourselves. Um, which was a, also a very good call. So we're just basically sitting on the couch like we are now, the entire day unable to move, unable to do anything. It was, it was, it was horrible. It was, it dragged on for eons. So did you think you were pregnant? Because I think we were both nothing. We didn't think you were. Well, I, I didn't want to be hopeful. It was a good sign that I hadn't gotten my period yet. But that's again, all we had. that's kind of all we had. So God, we it was were just so scared. We were so scared because. I mean, after it didn't work the first time, you really have to think, like, what if nothing works? Well, we did. We did. And it was, I don't have an answer for you. Like, what if nothing had worked? What would have happened? I honestly don't. Try again. I know. I'm just saying, like, it just, oh, it was so hard. Um, And then you actually had scheduled a haircut that day. Because I had a job interview. Yes. Oh, that's right. The next day. So you had scheduled uh, a haircut. Um for two o'clock so you left the house around 150 and then of course at about 206 i'm pretty sure i get a phone call while you're at the haircut place i'm trying to say hairdresser because <laughs> because you're a guy haircut place um and it's the clinic with my results and it was a positive result basically they told me i was pregnant so i cried quite a bit and kind of couldn't believe it. Um, and I texted you. The exact phrase, I believe, was get home now. And, um, you know, I waited outside for you. And you drove up. And you got out of the car. And you were, like, very nervous. And we're like, what's up, babe? Because I kind of tore you away from your haircut. And I go, I'm pregnant. And you could not stop saying, are you serious? are you serious oh, i mean and then you we were both crying and hugging but it was a lot of are you serious it was adorable why don't you say it from your perspective well they didn't hire me for the job because of my haircut oh stop it that's why oh boy uh no i thank god the guy at the haircut plate uh, the barber 
<laughs> uh, hair maybe. salon. He goes to a salon. Let's just get it out there. Oh, they do a good job. <laughs> he was running late, so I, I like, I was like, hey, I have an emergency. I gotta go, and I had to park really far away because they're doing road work. And I like uh-huh. ran to my car and drove home, and just like I knew you were pregnant, but I wouldn't let myself believe it. Right. So I just drove really fast. Yeah. And just nervous that you're gonna tell me the opposite. Right. And uh, I was like, well, she wouldn't tell me to come home if it was bad news. I might have. And then I just kept convincing myself that it was bad news and not to get my hopes up. Right. And I've never had such joy in my entire life. Are you serious? But then I was like, shit, we can't really share this with anyone yet because we want to tell in person. So we went over uh, Aaron and Heather's house that night who had just moved into their house. Yeah, like literally the day before. I think it was their first night, their first official night in their new house. So we went to your brother and his wife's house. Because they live close by. Right. Well, they were our only family that lived very close by. Yeah. And obviously the parents of our nephew. Um, so We had dinner with them. We And we told them. And it was it just was... such a great thing to share. Aaron. And they were so excited. Aaron was like, did that thing where he was waiting. He knew what we were going to tell him, basically. So, and like, we like, get in the fell. house and we're trying It was to, so awkward. We were trying to do a thing because... We didn't want want to say it right away, and we we're gonna like go up to our little nephew and be like, "Oh Ben, guess what? You're gonna have a cousin." But of course, he's two and a half, and he was running around, and we couldn't grab him. He so care. Aaron and Heather are just standing there, like waiting for us to say what they know we're gonna say. Big hugs. So then we finally said it, and it was just an explosion of happiness. Big hugs. My Aaron gave me this really great book. Yeah, I can't tell you what it felt like to actually finally be in the position of saying we're having a baby. Because we had waited so long, start to finish, years. it was two and a half years. It was the longest two and a half years of our lives. And then, uh, so the next, we'll just kind of brush over the next three months up to today, is trying to not tell people because it's a secret, but then also telling people. So we wanted. Oh, we to, told everybody. We told your parents and my parents. Well, yeah. So weekend. I mean, it was great that we lied to them because that weekend. So we found out on a Monday. So on that Saturday. We drove down to see my family who lives in New Jersey, and we had uh, – the way we wanted to we tell lied. them, we lied to them, so they didn't know, but they sort of knew. Um, so – but we were able to sort of surprise them because we lied about the process. And what I had done is made like a little picture frame, and in the frame it said Baby Pacinich Rubble, which are our last names, uh, due May 2017. And so, you know, kind of giving them as we a told them they we were, were going to a barbecue in Connecticut. So, oh, yeah, we so were for my parents, in Jersey, we told my parents that we were going to a Connecticut party, which is why we were visiting them. And then we told your parents that we had a party at my parents' house, which is why we were swinging back up to their place. What holiday weekend is this? It was Labor Day weekend. Yeah. Um, so we get there, and I like right away, my whole family's gathered in the dining room, and I hand mom the thing to unwrap and she unwraps it and she sees what it says and immediately starts screaming i know it 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 it was hilarious yeah bro- hugs all around hugs everyone all around. your brothers your dad was sweet and perfect yeah. 10 minutes later just watching tv playing our phones well yeah it's funny because you get this, such this burst of emotion and then it's like back to normal it, it goes like this oh my god you're pregnant then you hear us don't put it on social media. Don't tell anyone. Don't put it on Facebook. Like that's and anytime we told somebody, the first thing we had to like, well, no, so the first thing we said was I'm pregnant. The second thing was don't post about it online. And then we FaceTimed with uh, our future sister-in-law. Yes. Cause she lives in um, New York, Queens in yeah, New so York. Couldn't see her. So she wasn't there obviously, but she, we told her that day as well. And then the next day told uh, your parents and yep. it both were amazing experiences. And then we slowly told some friends and other family members until this weekend, 
when we told my two grandmothers, my aunts and my uncles and everyone, and that was just the best moment in the oh, world. When we told day. my mom's my mom, my, my grandmother, and then my aunts and my cousin Danielle was there, and my two aunts and my parents, and we told we, no one knew what we were there for, right. and we were just all in my grandma's apartment, and we go, Victoria's pregnant. Oh, there was shouting. a fucking. Was like, I'm Italian. Yeah. So there was a burst of a sound wave punched me in the face. Yep. My aunt Elaine, I don't know if she's jumping hear this. up and she down, I'm pretty she's, sure. She's seventy. Yeah. Or sixty nine. Yeah. Or seventy. She's not young, but great shape. Just basically starts jumping, jumping and up and down. And running and jumping. <laughs> my grandma T started crying. Yeah. Oh actually I want to say when I told my parents when I opened it, it was much quieter than your parents because well, my, my mother's quite <laughs> loud. My dad just looked me in the eye and started crying, and it was, it was the most moment. beautiful moment. And my yeah. mom just started crying, gave yep. us big hugs. Uh, everyone was so wonderful. We told our people, our friends, our at work. We, Everybody was really just so happy for and us. And then we did a engage a pregnancy announcement, and we're gonna milk the shit out of this. Oh, uh, we are milking. Uh, well, I like to say it took two and a half years to get here. I'm sucking the marrow out of this experience. Yeah. Well, the, we, what we learned from going to see therapy, the therapist was. Uh, Celebrating small victories. So, yeah, and it's... And this is no small victory. This is a fucking medical miracle that I, this happened. Yeah, IVF is just Oh, like, uh, which, I mean, I didn't specifically say, but it is just one fetus in there. Yeah. We transferred two, and luckily, yeah, that's cool. one stuck, which is why I was glad I advocated for myself. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so it's like IVF is just like putting all the work to get to the finishing. Pregnancy is a marathon, yeah. and we had to do two and a half years just to get to the starting line. Yep, and now we're... Oh, okay. In the marathon. Oh, remember we did the first uh, ultrasound? Yeah, so because we went through the With fertility Dr. Victoria. Clinic, um, we, um, we got um, a bit, we got quite a couple of early ultrasounds that most people don't get because we went through the whole IVF process. So I got an ultrasound at week six, which doesn't look like anything except you can sort of see a flutter, which is a heartbeat. And let me tell you that two weeks between finding out we were pregnant and waiting for the heartbeat ultrasound also, like, well, you don't want to let yourself believe it, but you do. And then to finally see that heartbeat, you're just... Well, they didn't tell us we were going to hear the heartbeat. We she just hit a button. Time. We didn't hear it that The second time. time. I'm not talking about the second time. Oh, I'm talking yeah. about the first time. The first one. <laughs> so then we go back two weeks later for the eight-week ultrasound at the fertility clinic, and that's when we heard the heartbeat. And it actually looked sort of like a... Well, it, well it looked like a gummy Dr. Bear. Victoria was our doctor that day. And she didn't tell us that we were going to hear the heartbeat because we weren't supposed – we didn't – We didn't know. And sometimes you can't hear the heartbeat. Yeah, so weeks. maybe that's why they don't tell us. So she just hit a button, bam, heartbeat. Yep. And I make a joke about it sounding like my heart. And then she's like, oh, I don't know what she said. She's but, like, oh, your heart beats that fast? <laughs> and, or something like that. But I actually have a heart condition, so it did sound like my heart because oh, of my heart funny. murmur. So I was like, yeah, actually, I didn't get into it. But I was like, oh, my God. It was just so strange. Yeah. So then we've – now we, we've – had we've had ultrasounds. We've seen the baby. We've heard the heartbeat. Yep, we've heard the heartbeat times. multiple times. We are – well, I am at week 14. And uh, everyone at work three knows. And a half pregnant. And our work knows. And all of our family knows. And we took these amazing – our friend took these amazing pregnancy announcement pictures for us that we posted on Facebook. Laura Carr, very talented photographer. And the pictures came out great. And I mean, whenever anybody, somebody tells me that something like they mentioned the pictures, I go, well, I had two and a half years to think about it. Like I, I knew what I wanted. So that's why they look so nice. The strange thing about the infertility is once you were pregnant, all of the infertility was melted off of me, but then all the pregnancy worries started to build. Oh yeah. yeah. So I guess now we're in that. And cause you don't, just I mean, I don't it. forget any part of the process, but when you're not in it, in it, 
it does get a little bit dimmer. I feel farther you know? away from it. Yeah, you feel farther away from it. Now we're in the pregnancy process, and there's so much to that that you have to focus entirely on that. So, you know, so I mean, I know for a fact the infertility process changed me, changed you, changed us as a couple, yeah. but I like to think a lot of those changes ended up working out and made us stronger. Yeah, it. The best, though, maybe the only positive is it just made me reassured that, or reaffirmed that this is what I wanted. Right. Every step of the way that it didn't work, it just made me want to have a child. We just more. knew, like, we, yeah. there's no doubt in our mind that we wanted to be parents and we're going to be great parents. And, and we worked so hard at this. So we just were not going to take advantage of any of part of it. We're not going to skip over any part. Like, we're in this for the long haul, and mm. we're just so excited. And our friends told so us ready. who went through it. Like she, our, well, the mom who had gone through, who was our biggest support, would always say that when she had morning sickness or when things get tough, she just never, ever Never complained. once complained. And let me tell you, there have been some interesting side effects, and <laughs> I have never once been sorry to have them. <laughs> so it, it definitely changed. So like that's why I kind of get a little and I'll get like a little annoyed when people are like, oh, everyone's going to change. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker. No, <laughs> it's been two and a half years. We want them to change. I want everything, yes. and and no one and everyone means it in all good fun and and uh, you know it's a life changer. So right. to end this, I didn't tell you I'm going to do this. Oh, I'm going to add a song at the end of it. Even even though the song the song will be Jack's mannequin. Mm-hmm. Uh, MMFO part one and two. Even though that song is about something completely different, mm-hmm. the you know that you can breathe. The, uh, oh, I love that song. I've had listened to that more than once. Oh, emotions. It, I was like driving back from Market Basket when you were pregnant, and that came on and just brought me to tears. Aww. And I don't know why that's been my theme song. That album is something I listen to a hundred times. Uh-huh. And so I just want to end. I'm gonna. I'll cut it in. I just want to add that that oh, song because really that beautiful. was the song that always got me through this. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, and I know I've actually that album is about cancer, mm-hmm. but it's just uh, I just that song, the drums, and it always got me through everything. And right. anything you want, any songs for you? No, I think that that's a really All good right. choice. So we will never do this again. Yep, sorry, podcast listeners, to interrupt your normally scheduled programming, but this is something we wanted to do for ourselves so that we could have this and remember it, and uh, we hope you. Uh, Enjoy it and listen. Give it a listen. Hey. And if anybody's going through this process, please reach out. Reach out and any way we can help, we're happy to. And hope so, uh, you liked it. How can someone reach you online if they wanted to tell you they heard this? Um. Well, just through your podcast you Twitter. I don't. I don't really tweet. So right. direct message, less chat podcast, and the message will get through. Yeah, basically. Um. Yeah, and if you actually listen to this, let me know because I'm gonna guess no one will. But it's for us. All right. All right. Peace. I swim across an ocean, it's my mattress in the basement I'm sweating out excuses that would make your stomach turn The road we drove last night stretched from the desert to Las Vegas We filled our cups and lit one up, the snow began to burn
Traveling Friends is part of Court and Parts, a podcast network featuring pop culture, TV, and movie podcasts. Check out our other shows that pop this live, Talking Shondaland, We Got Five, and TV Ate My Brain at courtandparts.com.